If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. We've been kind of working our way through uh, the book of Samuel. This ended up, as, as I've studied for it and as we've gone through, this ended up being a series on the ark. And this ended up being a series on, on uh, God's blessings, God, God's presence in our life. We talked about from Ichabod to Ebenezer, you know, uh, God cast off his priests, Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. They, were, they weren't doing right. He cast them off. And as a result, the ark of God was taken by the Philistines, and it was kept there for seven months. And the Philistine, God afflicted the Philistines so that they returned the ark of God to the people of Israel. But when the, when the ark got back to Kirjath-Jerim, or they, they got the ark to Kirjath-Jerim, it didn't move from there. Nobody, nobody got the ark back and made it the center of worship. The ark represented God's presence in Israel. The ark was God's blessings on Israel. Where the ark was, God's blessings resided. That was the same ark that they followed when they were in the wilderness. The cloud by day and the fire by night and the ark that dwelt in the holiest of holies. The ark where the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat. And you all know this and I go over this, but sometimes somebody's listening for the first time. But that ark was the presence of God. And... That ark was just sitting in Kirjath-Jerim. And Saul came along as king. The people of Israel had Samuel as their, as their prophet. And they followed Samuel. But they reached a point when Samuel, the Bible says, Samuel got old. And when he was old, he appointed his son to be judges. He couldn't make the circuit like he used to. So he appointed his sons to be judges, but they were corrupt. And let me tell you, God doesn't have grandchildren God's got children. Just because you're following the Lord, it doesn't mean that your children are going to. And it's a sad thing, and we see it in the book of Judges. It just takes one generation to get away from God. But thank God, God has a remnant where during any time, during any time it gets away from God, God has a remnant. So Samuel's sons were corrupt, and they said, you know, they were, they were being corrupted, and the people said, Give us a judge. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations. They looked around at the other nations and they said, you know, this God leading us, that's not working out. We want a king. We want somebody that we can see. We want somebody that we can look on, somebody that we can serve. And uh, Samuel got upset about it and God said, Samuel, just do what they said. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. So God gave them a king and he gave them King Saul. But the problem was God gave them the king that they thought they wanted, not the king that God knew they needed. And God picked out Saul, and Saul was head and shoulders. And when they looked at him, they said, there is our king. That is a king. That is a leader. You ever looked on somebody and said, man, that's just a leader? You know, me being five foot seven, you know, it doesn't take much. At the last church I was at in Pulaski in uh, Georgia, you know, Didi used to laugh when I was standing in between my deacons. It was like standing at the Lincoln Memorial, you know? <laughs> and you look on somebody like that, you say, man, there's a leader. There's somebody that's head and shoulders above everybody. But Saul was not a man after God's own heart. Saul didn't have a heart for the things of God. So the ark resided in Kirjath-Jerim. The ark stayed there. Saul never brought it out. 
Saul burnt offerings to God when he wasn't supposed to. Saul made decisions. He never consulted God for what should be done. And when God did tell him exactly what to do, he didn't do exactly what God said, 1 Samuel chapter 15, when he was supposed to destroy the Amalekites, and he didn't. So we get up, we catch up, and we have David, and all these things have taken place, and David is ruled for seven years in Hebron. David finally, after running from Saul and everything, and Saul dies, and in 2 Samuel, David becomes king, but he only becomes king over Hebron because the others reject him. But then a series of battles take place, and David wins. And then finally, Israel comes to David, and all of Israel anoints David as king over all of Israel. The Bible says David was 30 years old. He served. He was king over Hebron for seven years, and he was king over all of Israel for 33 years of his life. And that's the point where we're at, where all of Israel has come to David and they said, we want you to be king. And David is now king and he's looking at his life ahead as king. And David has been in the fields. David has been a shepherd. David has been out there with God. He, when, the, when the wolves came after the sheep, David relied on God. When David stood before Goliath, he was trusting in God. When all of Israel was cowering and David said, why are you cowering before these uncircumcised Philistines? This is the army of God. They said, what are you going to do about it? He goes to King Saul and he says, I'll take him on. I'll take on Goliath. And he trusts God when he goes out there and he relies on God when he goes into that battle. He relied on God all of those times that he was running from Saul and that he was hiding in the cave and that he was that he was separated that he he knew he was anointed to be king but he was still honoring Saul as the king he said I'll not touch God's anointed his heart was always toward the things of God his heart wasn't selfish when when he could have been king when he could have killed Saul and taken his place he refused to because he wanted what God wanted and now that he's king and he looks out and he says I want to get the ark of God to my house I want God's presence. I want God's blessing. Let me ask you something today, people. Do you want God's blessing? Do you want God's presence? And when I talk about blessing, I'm not talking about cars and houses. No, sir. No, sir. God gives you those things so that you can operate. God, God takes care of you. He gives you what you need, not what you greed. It's a catchy saying. But to get God's blessing, to see God work around you and work in your life. I mean, think when, when, when you begin to serve God, there, there, are, there is an element of conflict, but there's also an element of service. There's an element of sacrifice. There's, there's, there's an element of blessing. And God blesses the things that your hands touch. Do you want God's blessing on your life? David wanted God's blessing. That's why he wanted the ark there. The other thing is, do you desire? I got to get caught up with myself. Do you have a desire for God's presence in your life? You know, there's times of chaos that go on, and we've seen a lot of that in the last couple of weeks. You know, if you look outside and you worry about the ways which are tumultuous, you'll start to sink. But you cry out, Lord, save me. You have the presence of God. In those times of chaos, in those times of loneliness, in times of sorrow, 
the times when your heart hurts. And those times when decisions are coming up or when things are about to happen that you have no control over, when you have God's presence, it helps you to carry on through that. It's God's presence that gives you comfort. It's God that gives you comfort in times of sorrow and times of loneliness. And when you come up on a decision and you don't know what's down the road, let me ask you something. Do you want God's help in that decision? These are all the things that David wanted. As he looked at his kingdom down the road, he said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know God's in control, and I want him here. I want to bring the ark back to my house. David was doing that. Look at uh, verse number, chapter number six, verse number one. It says, and David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baali of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio. The sons of Abinadab drave the new cart. It means they drove it. They, they, they drove it on. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, and God and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on coronets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of the God. And David was displeased because of the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come unto me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried, aside, carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet. When we look at getting the ark back to our house, it represents getting God's presence into our house. It, it represents drawing closer to God. And I know that you've heard over and over again, you know, repent, believe, confess. And I know that you know that when you get away from God, the, the, the thing to do is to repent and turn back to the Lord. But this theme is over and over again in the Bible. And here we see David, a man after God's own heart, and he, he has a heart to do things for God. But here he gets the ark and he puts it on a new cart, a brand new cart, one that's never been used. And then he 
begins to bring the cart back to the house. He makes allowances for it. He, he sets aside a special purpose for it, and they celebrate as they're doing it. And as that cart is rolling down with the oxen pulling it and it begins to shake, Uzzah puts out his hand to catch it. You know, job I used to have when I was uh, working, we had these 350-pound bottles. We had these 100-pound bottles, you know, for water treatment. And they'd say, you know, if one of those things falls, you're not supposed to catch it. But when one of those things is falling near you or on you, <laughs> the body just naturally reaches out to catch it. And I think Uzzah just saw it, and he was thinking of the Lord, and he reached out to, to steady the ark of God, and God killed him for it. God killed him for it because he set it up. They weren't supposed to touch the ark of God. God's holiness, his presence, his he can't have sin near him. We have a sinful condition. But if we're going to get the, I'm, I'm going to get on a different, if we're going to get the ark of God back to our house, you got to first have a desire to do it. I like Brother Grady, you say, you got to have a want to, and God will change your want to. The other thing to realize is that along the way, there might be some disappointment. You might find some things that disappoint you, but if you're devoted enough, you can overcome that. Let's look at number one, David's the desire, the desire of his heart. Look in verses one and two. And David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people there with him to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim. First Chronicles chapter 13, and David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel and with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in the cities and the suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. So he sends out to all of them, and he brings all of them in, and he says, And let us bring again the ark of God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. When I saw this, this was kind of a sad thing. We have a contrast here between David and Saul. I already talked about how Saul didn't inquire of the Lord, and David sees this as a failing. You have to have a desire. David's heart, his desire was to have the ark of God, was to have God's presence. And he said it hadn't been done in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in all the eyes of the people. So he had a holy desire to return the ark as a centerpiece of worship and devotion in Israel. He had a holy desire to bring God back. He desired God's presence. He desired God's blessing, and he desired God's guidance. It was an honest desire. You know, some people just want to get around the things of God just for show. Some people want to show up for church just to be seen. I've known in the past people that sold things that said, man, I can get a lot of customers at a church. <laughs> have you ever known, you know, in the 80s when everybody was trying to have their own business, they had no product? They would join a church or they would get around the people of God just to just to, just to make money off of them. But he had an honest desire to be with God, and he had a humble desire. 
Look at uh, the disappointment of David's heart. He puts it on a new cart, and Uzzah touches it. And the Bible says in chapter number 6, says, and they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. And then we see that Uzzah touched it. David had the right idea, but he had the right motive, but he had the wrong method. David wasn't supposed to put the ark on a new cart. David was supposed to let the Levites carry it. We can have the right motive about doing things, but we can have the wrong method. We may want to do things for the Lord, but if we're not not consulting how the Lord wants it done. In the Bible study this morning, we looked at what the Philistines did in putting the ark of God on a new cart. You know, there's a lot of times at church we can look over at things and say, man, that worked for them. I think that God, and, and this is where Keith gets in here, I think that God works with people right where they are. But when you begin to learn the things of God, when you begin to learn what what he wants you to know, you become more accountable for what you do know. A a small child that only knows that God's going to send them to hell if they've sinned. You know, they've told a lie to their parents or something like that. And that's all they know. They don't know anything about dispensations. They don't know anything about the book of Kings. They don't know anything about the book of Chronicles. They don't know anything about the Bible. All they know is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, and they accept Christ. I think God accepts that. I think that when you come to the, there, there's a lot of people that, that are, forgive me, just ignorant about the things of God. But I think God works with them. But I don't think God expects you to stay in that position. The Philistines, when they had the ark of God, they consulted their diviners. They didn't consult God. When they had the Ark of God, they, they had problems. They had emeralds. They had mice. They had, they had things afflicting them because God wanted them to send the Ark back to Israel. And they consulted their diviners, and they said, put it on a new cart. It's never been used. And they said, take two milk kind. And this was a milk cows. They had calves. And they, they locked the calves up, and they gave this project every chance to fail. And they said, if, if God forgives us, then that thing will go right to Beth Shemesh. These, these cattle that have never pulled a cart, never been yoked up, they gave it every chance to fail. A cow is going to want to go to her calves. And that, cow, that, that cart with those cattle just went straight down the path to Beth Shemesh. And God used that to get the ark back to Israel. But here David, the king of Israel, should know better. God's people should know better. God works with us right where we are. And God had given Israel accountability. God gave them the law. He gave them the law and the prophets. He gave them Moses. And he gave them every, everything they needed to follow his law. So he was doing it God's way. The Bible says that they set the ark of God upon a new cart. David's first problem was rooted in the fact that he either forgot or ignored the clear command of God as to how the ark was to be transported. The ark was to be lifted by means of two golden staves that were to be passed through the golden rings. And then the priests were to pick up from those staves. They weren't to touch the ark of God, the big box in between with the cherubim and where God dwelt. 
The ark was then to be lifted up and carried upon the shoulders of the family of the Levites. Only the Levites could carry the ark of God. And they had to walk. There was no riding on a cart. David made good plans and he made good preparations. He said, we'll use a new ark, a new, a new cart. A lot of times, you know, we come up with new ideas. We said, we'll, we'll give the gospel a new way. You know, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. And that's just the way. If you add to it, if you take away from it, it's nothing. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to God. Now, there's different ways to present the gospel and things, but if you begin to put the gospel on a new cart, we want to make it better. We want, to, we want to improve on it. If we get away from God on it, if we get away from what he's laid out in his word, using new methods, and then we might be disappointed when, when God doesn't bless it. They've made good plans, preparations, but neglected to do it God's way. And he didn't seek God's will in making the decision. You know, every other thing that David did when he was about to go to battle or when he was about to, to face pride, he would turn to the Lord and say, Lord, is this your will? He would consult the ephod. He would consult the priest, seeking God's will. He always asked God's will before. This time, he thought he was doing right, and he just got behind it. You know, there's things we know to do right, but are, are they God's will? Worldly methods and Philistines put the ark on a new cart and God providentially pulled it back to Israel. So this verse teaches us anything. It teaches us that God is very interested in the details. We may think that God doesn't care about the little things in life, but he does. When God gives a command, he expects it to be followed to the letter. A heart that is after God does what God says to do and stops doing what God says not to do. There's so many times God speaks to your heart when, you, when you're on the way to do something. In the Bible, there are precepts and there are principles. A precept is to be obeyed and there's no wiggle room. When God posts a 55 mile per hour speed limit, he's not going to accept 75 or 70 or even 60. He says 55. He expects absolute obedience, regardless of the time or the circumstances. The speed limit is 55, and that's a precept. His precepts are to be followed to the letter without question. If God posts a sign that says, watch for children, that sign is a principle. It'll need to be observed more closely when you're in a crowded neighborhood than it will be when you're on a deserted country road. A heart that is going after God will desire to honor both God's precepts and his principles. God is intensely interested in the little things of life, even the things that you may not think matter at all. It seems harsh that God killed Uzzah for what he did, but God had laid out a precept that the ark wasn't to be touched, and he'd laid out a precept on how the ark was to be carried. And fell into God's blessings Come only through obedience, and those who defy his word and his will are going to pay a terribly high price. The best thing a child of God can do is align themselves with the word of God and walk in humble obedience. And trying to carry out God's 
business using the methods of the world is a recipe for disaster. Putting it on the new, new carts of the world's wisdom is to be carried on the shoulders and in the hearts of the people of God. When it comes to giving the gospel, God has laid out a way. He's laid out a way for us to witness and for us to be a personal witness. Like Uzzah, we're often guilty of reaching out with our hands instead of reaching up with our hearts. We're guilty of trying to do spiritual work in the power of the flesh. We attempt to do the work of God with our hands and never really get under the burden. That will never work and God won't bless it. When we... When you read the Bible and you just uh, <laughs> you don't do it spiritually, it's the Spirit that reveals the Word of God. When we get caught up and we try to make the Bible mathematical, and believe me, there's sometimes it would be easier to just to just for it to be mathematics because you could work on it when you're tired. But your heart has to be in it. Your heart has to be toward God when you're reading God's Word to get anything out of it. And he's very detailed about that. So his disappointment, David was disappointed at it. It said in uh, verse, number seven, uh, verse number eight, and David was displeased. Back in chapter 2 Samuel 6, and David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perazuzah to this day. And David was so disappointed that he said, you know, this, this whole project, stop it, stop it. When Uzzah died, it killed the meeting. You know, I always talk about killing the meeting. All the, all the, all the instruments stopped. Everything stopped. And David said, we, no further. Where can we take this? And they said, well, old Bed-Edom's house is over here. It's not too far away. I just talked to him. And old Bed-Edom, he didn't have to take it. But he said, yeah, I'll take the ark of God at my house. He said, I'll, I'll take it over here. And they, they took the ark of God over to his house, and it stayed there for three months. And David was stopped in his tracks. His whole project was to get God's presence, get God, get God back to his house, the ark of God back to his house. And the whole project was stopped. And then while that project was stopped, and David, I think David got into the books. I think David did a little homework. He was disappointed. He was hurt. And you know, in life, when you begin to step out for the Lord and people get hurt, you know, the, the, the devil will attack and, and he'll, you'll mess up and you'll wonder, God, why, why didn't this work out? Why didn't it work out? He'll give you time to think on it. You get disappointed. Your walk with the Lord will kind of pause. Somebody that tries to go to church, and they get their feelings hurt. And their whole walk with the Lord begins, it takes a break. The ark goes over to Elbed Edom's house. There's disappointment sometimes. We get out of God's will. I think David did his homework and he looked back and he said, man, we needed the Levi priests. We were supposed to be carrying the ark. And then he hears that Obed Edom was being blessed. They said in Jewish tradition that Obed Edom when the ark went to his house, he was the poorest man in Israel. By the time the ark left his house, he was the richest man in Israel. <laughs> Obed-Edom was getting blessings, and, and David looked at it, and he said, no, that's supposed to happen here in Jerusalem. This is supposed to be the center of worship. This is supposed to be, I want the blessings of God on the nation. 
David did his homework. And he overcame that disappointment. But in the process, he lost three months of blessing. Then we have the devotion of David's heart. Look at verse number 11. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so when they bare the ark. And it was so that when they, they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Number one, the devotion in David's heart, he never gave up on getting the ark of God back to his house. And you should never give up on getting the ark of God back to your house. And that, change, that manifested in a change in David's attitude. His whole attitude changed. He went from disappointment and hurt to doing what God wanted. He found out what God wanted, and he did that. Desiring the blessing. When David heard the blessings that Obed-Edom was getting, he remembered the intent of bringing the ark of God back to the center of worship. It also manifested in a change in his approach. Now he'd look over in, back in uh, 1 Chronicles 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of God unto his place, which he had prepared for it. So it changed in his approach. Number one, he had prepared a place for it. When you prepare your heart to receive the Lord, when you prepare your heart to receive his presence and his will, then you have a place for God. He prepared a place and he prepared he, he, did, he performed it in the way that God wanted. He learned where he went wrong, and he didn't take any shortcuts. He did it the Lord's way. And it manifested in a change in his actions. Before they were playing music, now they were dancing before the Lord. Before, David might have been walking through with his sovereignly robe and all his magnificence. But the next time that the ark came, if you read ahead, Back there in Samuel, you see that he stripped down. And all he had on was the ephod, and he humbled himself just like everybody else. So much so that Michael, who was the daughter of Saul, she got offended by it. She saw him out there, and she said, you're out there, you know, just like the commoners. Just for all, the, all, the, all your servants' handmaids to look at. And he said, I did it for the Lord. And he humbled himself just like everyone else that was there, even though he was a king. And when we come to the Lord, we need to humble ourselves.
get in the ark of God up to your house. Desire, disappointment, and devotion. There first needs to be a desire in your heart. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, there's, there's not, you don't have the Lord in your heart. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When the Bible says all have sinned, when you look at the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. Everyone's stolen something in their lifetime, taking something that wasn't theirs. I know even something as simple as a pen in the Navy, everything had U.S. government written on it, so it belonged to us, right? <laughs> thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, committed adultery already in his heart. So the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it said the wages of that sin is death. The Bible talks about hell. The Bible talks about eternal, a lake of fire, Revelation chapter 19. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through accepting Jesus Christ. He paid the sacrifice, but, and he, it's a gift, but a gift is not yours unless you accept it. And if you haven't accepted Christ, you have no hope of getting the ark of God back to your house. God laid it out very specifically that our salvation was through his son. And anybody that's trying to get to heaven in any other way is just like Uzzah reaching out to touch the ark. They're going to die. David went the wrong way about getting the ark to his Jerusalem, and he paid a high price for his disobedience. However, when he started to do things God's way, his life was revolutionized. He was after God and God's presence and God's power, and he got it all when he did it God's way. So are you seeking God? Would you like to get the ark up to your house?